listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas with the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. I'm R.J. Bell with your sports betting headlines for Friday. Portland wins again. Now 3-1 straight up in the bubble, undefeated against the spread. And for the first time favored for the final playoff spot in the West. The Toronto Raptors are now the second title favorite in the East, behind Milwaukee, but now ahead of the Boston Celtics. Speaking of Boston and Toronto, they face off in the bubble tonight. Raptors favored by one and a half over the Celtics. Here comes an hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. Winner, winner, chicken dinner! This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. And now, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. Action, action, action. We're live on a Friday, live from Las Vegas, and live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. In studio, he's not great always, but he's great a lot. Steve Fezzik, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You rested? <laughs> Very much so. If you listen to those headlines, some of it wasn't too good for you. You and I have a bet, Boston and Toronto. We'll talk about it. You know, it could be a coincidence that I'll be right again. I don't think so. Sports bettors listen more to me than Fez for the money. Sports bettors to mo- know more than their buddies. He's in Los Angeles. He's not a pro. He's a Joe. Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got sights and sounds from NFL training camps all over the league, another postponement in Major League Baseball. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? To me, oftentimes the sharpest of the sharps are a day or two ahead. And I'm not even talking sports betting sharps, but in any field, media, uh, People that love hot dogs, whatever it is, oh, there's a new hot dog coming out. You know, it's like, okay. They're ahead of the curve. And I think the NBA intelligentsia, those ahead of the curve, have been on this Portland team for a couple days. Wow, they're playing good. If you look at the numbers, as we said in the headlines, Portland is now the favorite to get that eighth playoff spot. I think it's the lead. Yeah, absolutely. It was Portland over Denver in the bubble in Orlando last night. 125 to 115. Dame Lillard, 45 points in the win. Three out of four wins for Portland since the restart this season. 
So, was there any announcements at the Fezzik House? <laughs> Occasionally, I'm not sure if it's correlated to the what's on TV or not. You'll stand up and scream. It's Dame time. It's Dame time. <laughs> and is your wife usually in the room or not at that point? No, she. I'm in my is that, den. Is that like a call for her to come in the room, or how would, we descri- <laughs> how would we describe this? No, she says, close the door, stay away. I understand. If you ask me right now to give you the names of my eight wives, I couldn't do it. Hey, it happens, Dave. It happens. <laughs> I'm RJ Bell, straight out of Vegas, talking to Steve Fezzik. Fez, if we look at the... Well, let's start with the odds. So, this is the ringer, does a really good model on this. What are the odds for the eighth seed in the West? Trailblazers, 44% chance. Grizzlies, 38% chance. The Pelicans, Zion, 7%. Suns, Spurs, and Kings, all 4% or below. Okay. So, wow. I mean, it wasn't just a game or two ago, and maybe Mackenzie, you can pull up just the last, you know, when the last time Portland was at like nine percent. It was like two days ago, I think. So the team started playing really well, and then obviously the results have come as a result, right, of them playing so well. And we're going to talk in a minute about the Lakers and how. Their chances of winning against Portland compared to uh, Memphis is like shockingly different, and that the Lakers should be rooting like heck against Portland. But first, let's talk about the anatomy of the Blazers' power rating. What is a power rating? It's what a professional batter does, like Fazzy. He he does great NBA ratings, in which he says, "What would the odds be if these two teams played each other? All things being equal." So, let's start the day the pandemic shut down, created the hiatus of the NBA, compared to the first day in the bubble before any games. Some teams you upgraded, some teams you downgraded, some teams stayed flat. One thing I would say as a fan, Blazers, I would have thought you downgraded because they were questioning even making the effort to come to the bubble. Is it even worth it, Dame was asking. How much did you downgrade them? I downgraded them one point for motivation. So you're saying you saw motivation issues? Yes. But I upgraded them because they were getting back their center, Nurkic, and they were getting back another starter, Collins. So personnel. So net net, you upgraded them about a half a point? Actually, one point. One point. Okay. So you were saying, uh, huh, motivation was a one point downgrade, and Nurkic was how much? Nurkic was a point and a half, and Collins was a half a point. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, net-net a point. Then they started playing. And as we said, on Monday, on the ringer, Portland's chance to make the playoffs were 10%. So, just literally in a handful of games, from 10% to being favored... During these same games, Steve Fezzik, how much did you upgrade Portland? Three and a half points. Wait a minute. Their record is three and one during these games. I'm just going to do some simple math here. They're plus two wins. Right? So they split two games and went two and oh in a game. And plus two wins is three and a half points. Explain. 
All right. Well, Nurkic is playing much better than expected. He had that broken leg, so there were concerns. Was he going to be all the way back? And he certainly looks to be as good as he's ever played before. So, so upgraded for Nurkic. Yeah, so the point and a half you initially had was saying, hey, he's back. It's better than him not being there, but there's uncertainty about how good he is, and he has answered those questions. Yes. Okay. What else? Gary Trent Jr. Now, hold on a second. That's Wait, I that's Gary Trent Sr.'s dad, right? <laughs> his son. Oh, it's his son. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's it. that gets confusing. Okay, go ahead. All right, so here's a guy, second-year guy, 21 years old, never been a factor, never moved the needle at all, and he's playing out of his mind for Portland. He's making two-thirds for, of his— For four games. For four games. He's making two-thirds of his threes, shot 35 threes. He's made 22 of them. Averaging 20 points, and Stotts, the head coach, says, you know what? He's really putting a great effort in on defense as well. Big upgrade. So, Gary Trent Jr., son of senior, 27 points last night, 7 of 10 from the three-point line. Okay. I, here's what's confusing me, though. If in the middle of a season over four games, if someone ends up averaging 20 points or whatever— I don't usually see many upgrades around it. If anything, that's the difference from Barney at the bar, the guys that, you know, I don't want to say Jonas, but the Jonas types, <laughs> they're the type that will see something and go, oh, look, he's great. Oh, my gosh. And if anything, pro betters are known to be so much more sober than that. What is different about Gary Trent Jr. and his four-game surge than any other mid-season, late-season type surge, especially with questionable motivation of some of the opponents. Because the surge happened right after the pandemic, so during these four okay, months... Okay, so every time a surge happens, it's going to be right after the time before it. But go ahead. Well... It's clear we talked about this. Some players aren't going to take this seriously, aren't going to be in shape. Here's a 21-year-old who clearly absolutely was focused on prep to be ready when play. Or it could be just as random and quirky as any other four-game run. Right? That, that you usually discount. And that's I, why I love the fact that the coach said he, he is much better on defense now when he's putting up all these great offensive numbers as well. Jonas, you're a fan. As you look at Gary Trent Jr., do you look at this and say, yes, I see why this is different than any other four-game surge? Or do you, are you skeptical? Uh, I'm not. I like Portland a lot, a lot. I don't know if it's so much that it's Gary Trent Jr. or the fact that Nurkic, as Fez pointed out, has just been a monster. I think he had 19 rebounds uh, a couple of nights ago. And this is a guy who had suffered one of the most gruesome leg injuries I've ever seen in basketball. And the fact that he's come back and been this effective. And I also think, and, and the guys on TNT pointed this out, they said, look, this is not your everyday eight seed. This team should be a three. If they had all these guys help Healthy, they would be a three seed, which makes them such a scary matchup to, uh, in the first round for the Lakers. It's a great segue. So the theory is they have the record they have. They're struggling to even make the playoffs because of the injuries throughout the year. Exactly. And they were eight games below 500 going into the break. And they didn't have Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> they, they had him. He well, just, they what? didn't have this new post-pandemic <laughs> Gary yes. Trent Jr. Hey, I might be, you know, funning as they say, no doubt. But the Lakers, it's serious business. So, Faz, this is what you do for a living. You price uncertainty. You predict the future. What do you think the odds are? Of let's say Van, you know, I keep saying Vancouver in my mind because I started joking about that. It, it messed me up. All right, Memphis is. I'm old school. It's true. Is Memphis's chance to beat the Lakers in a first game series is what in your mind? 
What's the percentage chance? Five percent. Five percent. So one out of twenty games. This Blazer team. What's their chance? Thirty percent. Thirty percent. Huh. So six times as much. That's interesting. Is that the same as it was five minutes ago? <laughs> I made it. <laughs> no. Go ahead. Let's just let the whole nation. We're going to let you have all the time you need to explain why, for the second time, you're changing something in the midstream. Sorry. I, I estimate. No, take your time and explain it to me. I estimate Portland's chances to be 35% based on my current power ratings. However, the Lakers, I expect to get a slight bump. It come playoff time because they'll be able to improve their game. LeBron has always been able to elevate his game in the playoffs. Okay, and in the last ten minutes, you figured this out, or why wasn't it like it five minutes ago? I don't know. I don't. Hey, that actually <laughs> is the best answer you can give when you don't know. You just say you don't know. So I'm going to say congratulations. <laughs> but still, think about this, Jonas. The chance of, even with the slight downgrade now, the chance of the Lakers being upset by the Blazers is six times as likely as the the Grizzlies. And it's almost one in three. Like, they play the series three times. One time the Lakers go out and LeBron in the first round. How much would you pay to watch the, the, the... Daily talking head shows oh, that God. day. Oh, I, I'm, it's appointment viewing <laughs> for these. Liber- and the idea that it's a 33%, sh- it's almost like Shaq making a free throw that the Lakers are going to be out in the first round. Or it's going to be 95% that they advance against the Grizzlies. Now, is this just that the Grizzlies are that bad? Is it the, the Blazers, like Jonas said, should really be a three? So in your power ratings right now, where are the Blazers? You know, based on the latest numbers, where are the Blazers at in the West? Fourth best team in the West. All right, so he was saying maybe even the third. So who do you have? Houston right above them? By Houston just above them, the two LA teams. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So imagine the bad luck of potentially having to play the third or fourth best team in the first round. No wonder LeBron's resting. (laughs) They didn't do so well against the Rockets, did they? No, they did not. Uh, embarrassing game for the Lakers, and offense continues to struggle. Speaking of not so good, and this is fascinating here, is literally Las Vegas is telling Zion something. It's telling the Pelicans something about Zion that's so disrespectful. Of all the cutdowns you could ever imagine about a young player, Vegas's statement about Zion is maybe at the top. We're going to do that next. That's coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox, and this is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We have another bet. It looks like you're on a bad end of Boston, Toronto, also, we'll be talking about. But I promise. This football season will be the best yet. Got a lot of exciting things in store. Weekend's coming up is a good day. If you want to listen, go back to the podcast. Just search RJ Bell or Straight Out of Vegas, favorite pod player, and you got the whole week. And it comes out every day right after the show. Right now in Las Vegas, on the strip, 99 degrees, and the neon is chugging. 
So, RJ, coming up later on tonight, tipping off a little over 90 minutes from now in Orlando, it is the New Orleans Pelicans and the Washington Wizards. There will be no Zion as he is resting for this game, but right now on pregame.com, New Orleans is still an eight-point favorite. I grew up with a kid named Rob Heatley. Rob Heatley used to say, I don't give a care. You'd say, like, Rob, your shoes are, uh, you got different color socks on. I don't give a care. It's a powerful concept. Someone says, your haircut looks like crap. I don't give a care. Well, Vegas heard about Zion not playing. Vegas said, we don't give a care. Literally, upon the announcement, the Pelicans, eight-point favorites, when Zion was going to play, eight points favor without Zion. They don't care. What do you think of that? That seems like for the star, apparently the 22 teams were set based on getting Zion in. They don't care. Vegas doesn't. Is the NBA wrong to care? What does this say about Zion? It says that Zion is not in game shape. Here's a guy, Zion, that was averaging around 25 points per game. I had him worth three points before the pandemic. Well, and, then 10 minutes later, you had him at two points. But well, now did. he's worth zero. The market is telling you it doesn't help New Orleans to have Zion out there because when he gets scratched, the market doesn't move even half a point. I know. I mean, it's a heck of a diss, as they might say. Or is it drag? Vegas is dragging them, Joe. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think it is? I mean, is this a sign that it's just this Zion? And the question is, if he's not in shape now, why is that? Why is it? it let's assume Fez is right that this is all about Zion's fitness. Why is he at insufficient fitness at his young age? I don't know. It's I, it feels like they're over overly cautious with him. I, my whole thought is the best way you get into shape is by doing what you're trying to get in shape for. So the best way to get better at radio or at any job is to continue more reps, more reps, and it feels like they're not taking that approach with him, which makes me wonder if the NBA had a do-over all over again, would they even go to the lengths that they went to to try and make sure they could get New Orleans in based? On on how they're playing him. I question your analysis. That's a friendly way of saying that, isn't it? <laughs> and it, it, here's why. If Zion were playing poorly, you could say, how do you get better at basketball? You play basketball. They haven't let him play enough basketball. Thus, he's not playing good basketball. That I would get. But fitness isn't, I mean, it's not like the Grizzly, or I'm sorry, the Pelicans are saying, you're not allowed to get on that treadmill. And no matter what, do not go for a five-mile run before breakfast. They're not saying any of that. Thus, if the question is his fitness, it feels like that it's in his power to do that. Maybe the Pelicans are controlling how many game minutes he gets to his detriment, but would that affect his fitness? Now, I agree. If he's playing, he's also working out. He's also getting, you know, meaning that is the act of getting fit is playing, right. play yourself into shape. But it's not like that's the only way to do it, yeah. right? No, but you hear people say there's a difference between game shape and mm -hmm. there's a difference between being in shape. That's a good I, point. I just wonder... What was the does Alvin Gentry is he getting some sort of uh, an idea that no matter what he's going to be back next year is this even Alvin Gentry's move as the coach or is this somebody up top saying listen we're taking our time with him we're not going to run him back it's it, we understand it's a bizarre season we'd rather have him healthy than try and race to win, make a playoff spot this year I think that both the issues are pertinent right so one issue is which we've been talking about since quite frankly the beginning with him is that Zion, 
his physical skills, his body type, the torque of his hips, etc., maybe it's not sustainable. That's the question. Is it, can you have that much weight on that kind of frame? And you hear, as you said, FSR's Chris Broussard saying, maybe he should lose 30, 40 pounds. Yeah. Not that that's all fat, but you don't want to carry that, even that muscle on that frame. I think it's a valid conversation. Quite frankly, nothing that could happen is going to stop that conversation. He could have three great years and still in an eight-minute segment on Zion will be, is it sustainable? Lamar Jackson, same thing. It's just going to always be there. Yeah. What seems new to me, it seems like that you can point your finger at him and say, why aren't you in better shape right now? Why are you, in the eyes of Vegas, worthless? Not as a person, but you literally are replacement level. That's what no effect of the line means, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah and him leaving the bubble for that By the way, if I decide to take a nap today, it will not affect that Pelicans line the same way Zion <laughs> playing or not affected the Pelicans line, right? Yes. I wonder, did the total go down? Because the theory is that upon that announcement, they might say his defense is minus three points, his offense is plus three, thus don't move the spread. But I would have to think the total might have moved on that. Still sitting at 236. Now, that's interesting. That is. You would, you would think it would go down two Because he's offensively, he's obviously above replacement level. Yeah, and he put up 20 in like 20 minutes his last game, and his defense was non-existent. To me... The real question is, how complicit is the media in this? In that complicit, as in not that they're doing it on purpose, but by this Zion love, the fact that Colin Cowherd right here in FSR, I'm a huge fan of the show, but he starts his show a couple days ago about Zion is so much better than I even envisioned. I thought he was a game-changing talent. But, boy, I watched the first eight minutes of this game, and he's even more than that. And then three days later or so, Vegas says he does not, he's, he, he has no effect on the projected outcome of this game. There's a disconnect there. And I think the media, by loving Zion so much, does it potentially make, you know, it's the same, hey, Brady was 199. Michael Jordan got cut from his high school team. What's Zion saying? You know, Jonas was washing dishes as he was coming <laughs> out west to try to get in the radio. It drives you, right? What's driving Zion? Because the case could be made, and Jonas' last word, that the drive isn't there. Yeah, you can make that case. I don't know him personally, so I, I can't, you know, Wow, well, it's our that. job is to talk about things we don't know personally. Well, I know, I know. But I, the one thing I wonder, though, is we talked about this when he, when he made his season debut. They were a pretty solid team. Not a great team, but they were playing well before Zion joined the roster. And once they incorporated him into the lineup, then you saw them lose games, but Zion was getting his points. I just wonder if maybe... Vegas looks at it and says they play better basketball without him right now than they do with him, and he's a detriment to their offense. That's a fascinating point because imagine a scenario where you freeze frame, Zion's on the court, and if you said, are you telling me if we replaced him right now with the next guy on the bench that all of a sudden there'd be no difference? No. Zion's better than that guy. The question is, what is the global 360 effect? Do they run? It's almost back to the Kevin Durant. The idea that, in some ways, the Warriors were not as good with Durant. They never won 73 games with Durant. Because why? Because 
is Durant one of the five best players on Golden State back then? For sure. But what was the effect of him being in the game versus without him in the game? And we saw that too, that at least over the short term, that when Durant was out, the Golden State had, you know, when he was part of the Warriors, Golden State had an amazing record in those games. Yeah, and so Durant was a guy where if you would have added him to an average NBA team or almost any NBA team, they're suddenly five and a half points better, but not the case with Golden State for whatever reason. But what we found out was because there was a time like Golden State without Durant was like 28 and two or something, remember? But that didn't last. That over a playoff grind, it was hard to win without a guy as good as Durant. But it goes to show you the different schemes, the different mindsets, that plays a role. And that's why I believe all the hindsight spiking the football on Tim Tebow is wrong. So Colin probably, what, once a week talks about how everyone was bought into Tebow, but him with his discerning scout's eye and the precision said, oh, no, Tebow's mechanics are wrong. He's not going to be able to throw in the NFL. Well, it's interesting. When did Tebow have a horrible result? When, when has a player ever won a playoff game and never got a chance to start another game? All right, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Tebow ever start another game after that playoff game? I don't believe so. I don't think he was ever on a roster after that. Yeah, because he was with the correct. Jets, and then the Patriots gave yeah, They him a never run. made the, the, the opening day roster, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so think about that. You, he went, what was it, like 6-2 and two to finish the year, won a playoff game against the Steelers. They were like eight-point dogs in that game, and never gets another start. It never takes, has another game that he's on a roster, I, I don't think, in the regular season. Now, should Tebow have been on a roster? We can debate that just like we do with Kaepernick. Because I think Tebow was always going to be one of the 64 best quarterbacks, but the distraction that he brought to the team. Exactly. The theory yeah. was, is the marginal difference between him and the guy we could have instead of Tebow worth the distraction? It's a valid debate with Tebow and with Kaepernick, in my opinion, because the team's job is to win. Okay, that said, I wonder if we're missing something. Yeah, so after we got, I get this on my screen, after the 11, 2011 playoffs, he did play on the Jets. He had eight pass attempts. So, you know, he was there for a, a tiny period of time. Okay. My question is this. When you're in practice and you're throwing 20-yard outs and Tebow's not as good as the other guy, it's just like Durant is so good in a given spot, better than somebody else, and let's say just like Zion is better than someone else. But the computers, our minds, we don't understand all the things that Tebow being the quarterback affects. If it was the team just believed in him, whatever. Tom Brady, there's no tangible reason Tom Brady should win more, that many more Super Bowls than a Peyton Manning, than an Aaron Rod- There's something about Tom Brady that we can't measure. They certainly couldn't measure it when he was drafted 199, right? And even Vegas couldn't measure it when they tried to set lines on the New England Patriots, and they consistently got them wrong. Patriots profitable just to blindly bet on that team. Historically, yeah, no doubt. So, I agree with you 100%. And, and I guess as it comes back around, Zion's effect, and if you look at his plus-minus, we talked about this yesterday, is over the first four games, it was minus 35. When he was on the floor, Pelicans got outscored by 35 points in four games. Not good. And I don't think it's because Zion's so bad as an offensive player. I think it's a combination of defense 
and a combination of the offensive scheme doesn't work as well with him there or whatever. Who knows? I don't know. But that's the beauty of sports. If all you had to do was look at the scouting report and decide, like Stratomatic football or whatever back in the day, boring. The way the interplay is between the players, each other, the coaches, the city, it's a mystery in some ways. And it's why we keep coming back decade after decade. Closing thought. And on this, anything fast? I think it's really the defense. I think the offense is okay with New Orleans. I really think the defense, the team just is not playing anyone's signs on the court. You think that because you can understand that. And I think that's part of it. The part you don't understand or I don't understand is the part that's harder to even talk about because we don't understand it. But we have to acknowledge there's things we don't understand, no matter how smart you think you are, Steve. Your ego, your Northwestern degree. Northwestern. You you nailed it being an Ohio State grad. Northwestern grads uh, oftentimes overrated. I don't think I've ever seen a time they weren't. (laughs) Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. We are counting down 32 all the way to 1 with our NFL power rankings this season heading into the 2020 year. Before we get to that, we do want to let you know that we are brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to get what you need when you need it with their free same-day pickup. You can place your order online and grab what you need today. More more than 5,700 AutoZone locations in-store curbside. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Team number 23. The Detroit Lions. Steve Fezzik, Detroit Lions, number 23. Now, is this lined up with Vegas? Meaning you got your Fezzik power ratings. We got the Vegas uh, market ratings based upon the odds. Where does the market have Detroit? Market has Detroit, number 26, RJ. Market does not think Detroit is nearly as good as I think they are. Ooh, and you got a bet coming up on it. Let's start with how we always do the one big betting thing. Meaning, if you're a better when it comes to the Lions and you can only take one thing away from this discussion, what would it be? The quarterback injury last year. The Lions had to play eight games last year with backup quarterbacks. So it's hard enough to have to play with Jeff Driscoll. He's not very good. He started three games, but the five games with Blau, the third string quarterback, and Blau was absolutely atrocious. And thus, at the end of the year, you look at those Lions stats, they don't look very good. Of course they don't. They had half their year compromised on offense because of these two bad quarterbacks. So what you're saying is. You know, it's curious. Why does a guy named Blau never, like, you never say, like, the best quarterback of all time, Blau. (laughs) It's like names are, it's almost like destiny in some ways. I mean, there's exceptions, but (laughs) if you could be like uh, Tom Brady, The Rock. Oh, wait, he made that up. But okay, still, it's the same concept. (sighs) I'm actually very optimistic about Stafford this year. He had a surprisingly good year. If you actually look at his... And he really took almost exactly half the snaps. It's like 49.9 or something, if you look at it. Stafford, if you just double his numbers on the counting stats, last year would have been the best year of his career. Yeah, his QBR was sixth in the league. Number six in the entire league. Detroit was, yes, Detroit was 3-4-1 when he went out. And so, just, just slightly below 500 team and Stafford playing very well. But I'm not, this is what I'm saying, is if you went around and said, how did Stafford do last year? Matt Stafford for the Detroit Lions. You would have said, oh, he got hurt, right? Lions stink. 
the idea that you would say a guy who some people have believed at various times most valuable quarterback in the NFL. We've had professional batters tell us they thought that two years ago, three years ago. That last year, that was by far his most disappointing season when it came to the end result, when it came to the overall injury, was his best season when he was playing, which was half the games. It wasn't like one game or two. Most people don't understand that. And I objectively think that's true. So, if you are optimistic about Detroit, like you seem to be, I think Stafford, at age 32, playing so well, even with the distractions with his wife's health concerns last year, it was a Herculean effort of mental toughness. Yeah, it's a great point with his wife having cancer and the like. Huge distraction, and he still was on pace to having a great year. Let's make it official. You've got a bet on this one. It sounds like it's going to be positive to Detroit, but how are you getting at it? There's a lot of ways to get at it. I'm going to play best bet Detroit over seven wins, RJ. That offense underrated because of the horrible quarterback play. And bottom line, Detroit was unlucky last year. Hey, they weren't going to win eight games with those backup quarterbacks, but Detroit went three, eight, and one in close games. So Detroit really should have gone about six and 10 last year. They only won three games last year. If you can win six games with half your season with these backup quarterbacks, then you should be able to win eight with Matthew Stafford. The pick is Detroit. Over seven wins, best bet. Okay, in the market, because yesterday Houston had seven and a half wins, but you had Houston, you have Detroit better than the Houston Texans. Yes. Detroit Lions are better than the Houston Texans. <laughs> Today, at least, says Steve Fezzik. This is so fascinating to me, Jonas, because how do you get a pick? How do you find a game with an opinion, or in this case, a season win? Well, what's your comparable? What are you saying is the starting point of your handicap? It's last year's Lions team. Now we say, how was last year deceiving? Well, Stafford wasn't there. There was this, there was that. Now, what's changed this year? Now you make those calculations, and then you look at the result, compare it to the number, and in this case, seven wins, Vegas is saying. Faz, you say more, more than that. Yes, Detroit Uh, Lions, I expect to win eight or more. So when you say over seven, hey, we got it, baby. 